The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Eight minutes after eight, welcome to the Forum at 8 here on AM Live. Treasury says that President Jacob Zuma must pay back a 7.8 million rand for non-security upgrades at his Nkandla home. The figure represents 88% of costs incurred on the upgrades. The Finance Ministry probed the matter in compliance with the Constitutional Court Directive that was issued in March. Now, the court ordered the President to comply with remedial action by the public protector relating to the upgrades at his prime. Residence. On the forum date this morning, we unpacked this decision by Treasury for President Jacob Zuma to pay back 7.8 million rand for the non-security upgrades. And we ask whether this signifies for you the end of the Nkandla saga. Let us know what your views are. 891 That's our call-in number. SMS us on 34701. Tweet or Facebook AM Live on SAFM. And please use the hashtag AM Live. And we joined uh, now for this discussion by Professor Sumato. Tafigeni, a political analyst. Good morning, Prof. Thanks for your time. Good morning to you, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners and uh, my fellow polonists. And that would be Professor Richard Calland, Associate Professor in Public Law at the University of Cape Town. Thanks for your time as well, Professor Calland. A very good morning to you, to my colleague, Professor Vera, and of course to your listeners. And perhaps just uh, to start us off with, uh, I need to put this out there uh, regarding Treasury's submission, given some of the questions on my Twitter feed. Now, Treasury's submission sets out the methodology that they used to calculate what the president actually owes. The Treasury panel discounted the cost of the ground floor of the visitor center, uh, which is currently being used by police as well. And the five measures, including the swimming pool, the cattle crawl, um, uh, that should have cost around 10 million rand uh, as of June 2009. But Treasury de- uh, uh, determined that uh, President Zuma is liable for 87.94%, which means that he should pay back 7,814,155 uh, rands. And uh, President Jacob Zuma uh, now will be faced with that. And of course, it's uh, put before the Concord and that determination will be made. And then President Jacob Zuma will have 40 five days in which to repay that particular amount. But let me just start uh, with our panel by um, asking Professor Somadota Fikeni, uh, were you surprised at all by that amount that uh, Treasury actually determined? I was not surprised. In fact, my estimation was that it would be more or less around that figure between uh, 10 and 20 million. And as such, I always knew that the prices for some of the items were inflated, which is something that should be investigated, and criminal charges laid against those who inflated those, because quantity surveyors then would have gone to what the actual price ought to have been. And besides, this is a highly technical issue that neither public protector nor constitutional court gave a specific guidance except saying that it should be a reasonable amount. And that is the crux of the matter, isn't it? The reasonableness of this amount, because that is what people have been questioning, Professor Calland. How do you determine what is reasonable in this instance? Well, uh, Sakina, reasonableness is a, a, a sort of classic legal term that is often employed. Uh, and the idea is that a reasonable, reasonable man and woman, properly informed of all the relevant facts, figures would assess it 
uh, on the basis that, in this case, Treasury has assessed it. And what Treasury has done is said, look, the public sector said that these five items, the pool, the business centre, the amphitheatre, the chicken run and the cattle craft, I think the country's now sick and tired of hearing about those five things, but nonetheless, those five things were not part of the security upgrades. They benefited the president and his family, and he therefore needed to pay back the money associated with them. What they did, however, as you rightly pointed out in, in your introduction, was to say, well, some part of the visitor centre is in fact being used by the police as part of their security arrangements for uh, the person's dwelling, to which he is entitled as a president, and indeed when he retired or leaves office as a former president. And therefore they discounted the, the total figure by a percentage of 13%, it turns out, which they said was in a reasonable amount to discount uh, in, in the light of that assessment. And that's how they reached their figure. And it seems to me a perfectly sound bit of um, assessment. They've used uh, an expert panel of quantity surveyors and engineers to uh, work out what the appropriate figure was. And in their customary fashion, Treasury has been efficient and effective in dealing with this matter. And the court will now read their report and I suspect will approve it. And I guess it's one of those that didn't really matter what the amount ultimately came to be. Uh, someone somewhere would have been unhappy about uh, the final amount that it came out to. But then um, looking at the opposition parties, and they talking, I spoke both to the DA and the EFF this morning, coming up with a figure of uh, around 50 million rand. And uh, how do you think they would have determined right. that, Professor Figeni? Well, I do think that, uh, one, it's a literal abstraction of things that they would say were non-security upgrades, and that also including the very inflated prices as per the invoice that was given to government. And uh, besides that, remember that the ruling party from whom the president comes and the opposition party would never agree on a figure anyway, especially when we are tantalizingly close to local government elections and even ANC succession battles. So this particular matter will not be determined at a technical level conclusively. It has political dimensions, it has legal dimensions, it has moral dimensions. And those perhaps we haven't uh, perhaps indulged in sufficiently. Now, when it comes to the president actually at this point um, agreeing that, you know, he is going to pay this amount, that wasn't always the case. There was a time when the president actually said he did not ask for these upgrades and therefore he, he shouldn't have to pay them. So was this acknowledgement, do you believe, forced on him, Professor Callet? Well, I think there came a moment towards the end of last year where, his legal advisors changed, uh, the, the legal advice changed, and I think that he, the president, was forced to reconcile himself with the idea that he was going to have to accept the public protector's remedial action. Of course, he'd resisted that for almost two years for reasons that are still not entirely clear, um, and he'd done so on, on an entirely inappropriate uh, misreading of, of the law. And the Constitutional Court, of course, found that that's constituted a violation of the Constitution, and a serious one. And now he's he's faced by a very clear uh, position from the court, which is that Treasury should figure out the amount he should pay back. They've now done that, assuming that the court, as I said earlier, a 
approves that report and the figure of 7.8 million, then he's got 45 days to pay the money back personally. I say personally because that was the word the Constitutional Court used. In other words, nobody else can pay the money, at least not directly. He has to pay back the money himself. And I think that aspect of the matter is is entirely clear. But as Professor Fikane rightly points out, there are other aspects to income debt, including the inflation of the prices, the clear failings in public procurement process led to the inflated uh, price that the public has had to pay. And so to that extent, the the matter will continue, and there may be criminal proceedings brought against other people. But so far as President Zuma is concerned, on the face of it, this ought to be the beginning of the end. Well, uh, on the face of it, you say. But uh, the other question that I've been grappling with, uh, Professor Figeni, is whether the president actually abused his power as president. Uh, Because if you look at how this thing actually snowballed, at some point, you know, during these proceedings, when uh, it was first brought to light, when the expose was first done, surely there must have been a point where the president would sit back and say, well, you know, stop. Let's take stock of what is going on here. Well, I do think that we are somewhere between potential abuse of power, if there was proof that he was directly involved in influencing what should be there, what should be added and how. Mm. Or we are, in another end, in a situation of poor judgment and abdication from responsibility as the head of the state and government wherein he should have transcended the notion that this is in my homestead and say from the very onset when this story was broken in the news, uh, please freeze this process, let's investigate these irregularities. I don't think we would be where we are. And secondly, had he shown some degree of reflection and remorse, in a sense, the mistake he made, he ended the fray, and tried to persuade the public and argue that he was not involved. At some point, he argued that he was being persecuted because other presidents like P.W. Botha had aeroplane, uh, you know, the airports being built next to his home and so forth. So to that extent, it showed and revealed and betrayed the fact that he was an interested party instead of rising above all this to say, What are the principles? What are the implications? Now let's move forward and say, once it was quite clear that something had gone terribly wrong, had he taken on a national television to say that I've now understood the implications of this and as such I'm setting up a multi-stakeholder or a, a, a task team to investigate ways of crafting laws that would prevent any of security upgrades being abused. Remember, this is not just confined to the president. Ministers do have some of their houses, a house worth $8 million being renovated for $28 million or so. And this goes on and on to other senior officials, which means he would have demonstrated leadership by simply saying, let's overhaul this, even if I know that it's going to benefit me as an individual. Then he would have extricated himself from this. But now, as it stands, whether the payment is made today or not, this is going to eclipse his legacy. 
and many other things which may be positive that took place under his leadership will not feature as prominently as the Nkanda debacle, which has come to be a metaphor for other corrupt activities in the public sector. Professor Callan, what does this say about the president's judgment, the fact that Nkanda happened? Well, I agree with Professor Fikane. He puts it extremely well that Nkandla is likely to be one of the the, the biggest shadows that uh, lies and uh, looms over his legacy. Um, I think it's the word that probably many people in the country are going to associate with uh, President Zuma's tenure in office. And as Professor Fikane rightly puts it, he should have known better. He should have exercised judgment. He should have intervened. And indeed, the Public Protector's Report makes it quite clear that he should have done all of those things, that uh, he should have known what was going on, that he almost certainly was present on a number of occasions when these matters were put uh, before him. And, and he let things drift. He let things slide. And he allowed the procurement process to, to run amok. And a huge amount of public money was wasted on this uh, venture that, that should simply not have been spent. And speaking about that, um, now we hear that, uh, well, we know that uh, Minentle Makanya, who was, of course, uh, the project's architect. So it seems at this point that he will be left holding the baby, having to pay at least 155 million rand uh, for the inflated cost of uh, the upgrades at Nkanda. Is that fair, though, some people are asking, given that um, the, 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 the person who gains the most benefit from everything that went on gets off with $7.8 million. Why should the architect be saddled with $155 million rand? And is that even a fair question, Professor Figeni? Well, I do think that uh, Mr. Makanya could uh, absolve himself by simply indicating who advised him to do what or else he would be left responsible. But uh, as you said, he could be left holding the baby. But the sadness of our criminal investigations and uh, the follow-up is such that people who commit serious uh, offenses are not left holding the baby. They are left holding the nappies. That's how light things are, because cases just fizzle out at times. So the weight of a baby is lost and you are left with just the light weight and the feather weight of a nappy. And uh, the uh, political, uh, the, the opposition party is indicating earlier that the, they would want to pursue criminal action. But uh, the question is um, from one of our listeners uh, who asked this question earlier, Bongolicious, who said, can President Jacob Zuma be prosecuted privately for what happened in Nka- at Nkandla because the NPA will never do it. Is that possible? And does that avenue actually exist, Professor Calland? It, it, it's an avenue that does exist, but it's it's a very difficult avenue because private prosecutions, unless you've got a lot of money uh, and can afford to uh, pay for the legal fees necessary to put together a strong case, it's very difficult. And that's why we have a National Prosecution Authority. We have the uh, Anti-Corruption Act, the legislation brought in over 10 years ago. It's a very strong act. It's very clear. has a very broad definition of corruption. Um, And it's very clear that a number of the protagonists involved in the Nkanda fiasco, um, uh, on the face of the evidence that we know about, on the basis of the Public Protector's Report, may well have committed offences under that act, including possibly the President. 
But I suspect, uh, given that the president faces other uh, potential criminal charges, the ones that date back some 15 years now, um, and which may well have to uh, see the light of the day in the light of the, the other court decisions, um, I think there'll be little, if any, appetite uh, amongst the prosecuting authorities to pursue charges against Mr. Zuma. As to the other protagonists, such as the architect, Mr. McCanya, um, it remains to be seen. I think Professor Fikane is right again that much will depend on whether people within the circles of knowledge that existed in relation to Nkanya are willing to blow the whistle, are willing to actually give evidence about who knew what when and who gave the orders and, in effect, how much President Zuma himself knew. Well, we're talking about uh, the term, uh, determination that was made by Treasury that President Jacob Zuma will have to pay back 7.8 million rand for non-security upgrades at his Nkanda home. Is this the end of it for you? Do you feel that we have now reached the end of the line with regard to the Nkanda saga? We are speaking to Professor Somadota Fikeni and Professor Richard Calland and taking your calls on 891 SMS is to 34701, Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. Please use the hashtag AM Live. Let's hear from Sisley in Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, um, I'd just like to make a comment. Okay, um, um, I think that the High Court was correct by um, charging, by actually convicting him of, of, of those charges. And I feel that um, the 7.8 million is not enough. He should be liable for the whole amount. For the whole amount? Yes. Okay. I feel that seven point eight million is little that he should be paying he should be liable for the entire month. Okay, that's Sitle in Cape Town. Tulani in Cape Town, what's your view? Uh Satina, the ANC government, this is how it works. For every plan there is a failure, for every failure there is a protest, for every protest there is a court case, and for every court case there is a disciplinary hearing. For every disciplinary hearing there is a redeployment. For every redeployment, there is a consultant. For every consultant, there is a turnaround strategy. For every turnaround strategy, there is a new revised and revamped plan, which starts the process all over again. I mean that it has failed for the past 22 two years in government, and now we are not we are not surprised by Jacob Zuma because everything that is that he touches destroys the country. Thank you. Thanks, Tulani. And Cape Town seems to know that process very well. Uh, Ignatius in Springs. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good and you. Okay, Ignatius, we're losing you there. That line, not great. Uh, but wanting to know whether we'll ever get any responsible leaders um, who will serve as an example to people of this country. Joey, you're in Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, thank you very much for taking my call. Yeah, I think from my side it's been brought up earlier, but it's the issue of taking responsibility. Government is supposed to be accountable to people and anyone, whether it's an individual or a businessman or politician. When they do something wrong, even if it's a mistake or an error on someone else's part, someone needs to take uh, accountability for that. Someone needs to take responsibility. And I think that's one of the key issues here is whether it's the architect or whether it's Zuma, 
someone needs to be held liable and someone has to step forward and say, okay, I made a mistake and I'm going to take responsibility for it. I think that's the key issue and that's what we're not seeing. And I'm also surprised that the government itself hasn't had some kind of internal action, um, perhaps from wrong, but I, I don't know if, if Prof would like to comment on that as well in terms of what else, what other mechanisms are available just so that people of Africa feel like responsibility has been taken because of what we're seeing. What would you like to see? What in your book would equate responsibility and accountability? I think someone should step forward and say, this is what happened. This is where I went wrong. This is what I'm going to do to rectify it. What we have at the moment is shifting and Funding and absolving, I heard the word around earlier, it's all about how can we shift the responsibility to someone else, to someone who isn't me, and it just keeps going and keeps going. In the meantime, there's other real serious issues going on that need to be fixed. There's other things that need to be dealt with within the country, within municipalities. We have elections coming up, and this is just becoming a tennis ball that's been back and forth between the different parties. Does that mean you didn't accept the president's apology, Joey? Ah, we lost Joey there. Let's hear from John in Protea. Good morning, John. Hello, SK. Welcome. Um, the, the police calculated about 71 million or so. That was the real cost of the security uh, maintenance there. So the rest of the money, Jesus must pay back that money. If it requires that public protector must again pronounce that the overfated amount must be recouped from JZ, so let it be. Then JZ himself will follow that architect, a friend of his. They will see how they pay each other at the corners. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, John and Protea. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we unpacked the decision by Treasury for President Jacob Zuma to pay back 7.8 million rand for non-security upgrades at his Nkandla home. Does this settle the matter for you? Does this mark the end of the Nkandla saga? Yes or no? 0891-104-208. And of course, if you'd like to raise any other issues around this, you're most welcome to do that as well. Uh, Professor Fikeni, just looking at what the listeners are raising, Sithle uh, uh, saying that uh, the whole amount should be paid, and then others uh, talking about uh, the issue of responsibility, taking accountability, being accountable for what happened at Nkandla, and uh, perhaps getting a sense there from those listeners that they're not quite happy with how that unfolded. Well, I do think that uh, many listeners will confuse their frustration and anger <clears throat> over a number of other things that the president has been associated with and try to go for a kill on this one. It should be accepted that whether it's Nelson Mandela or presidents before him and after, the state has a responsibility to provide security upgrade. Of course, let me hasten to say that this should not be abused in any form, uh, especially on the scale that we've seen now with the Ngandla project. Secondly, I think we indeed suffer from a sense of envy in terms of accountability and responsibility that we see somewhere around the world, especially in established old democracies, where people, even a minister who was not involved directly, if there is a mining disaster, 
minister simply takes on air. They say, I feel directly responsible, even if it was some low-level official who might have led to a disaster. Or David Cameron, as soon as the uh, referendum comes out, he quickly says, I'm going to step down and so on and so forth. So we do envy those. But in our case, though, as it is the case with many developing uh, countries, especially those which still have fledgling democracy, the notion of taking direct responsibility is still not as clear as people tend to cling on even when it is clear that they have to take responsibility, even if they do not resign, but to show their remorse, their sense of atonement, and so on. Instead, the question is whether the person still has a strong constituency or not. And once they can demonstrate to have strong constituency, the constituency then is uh, taken into an overdrive to defend them. And most of the time, that has created an unfortunate situation where power is personalized and sometimes politics is criminalized. And um, on that score, just looking at uh, the party's reaction, the ANC's response to this whole Nkandla debate, um, this morning uh, Zizi Kotwa was saying that um, issues such as Nkandla will come and go, but that the party remains strong, um, especially going into these elections. What do you make of that, Professor Callan? Well, I think it, it's somewhat speculative to, to comment, except that it seems to me the ANC is trying to bifurcate its uh, campaign strategy at the moment because it knows that there are some parts of the country where President Zuma remains strong and popular, and there are other parts of the country, most notably uh, Gauteng, where the president isn't so popular. In fact, he may be a liability to the ANC. So I think, to some extent at least, the ANC is in the process of distancing itself from its own leader. Uh, perhaps because it knows that um, Mr. Zuma's days are numbered one way or another. Uh, he won't go on forever, and therefore the ground is slowly, at least, being prepared for his successor. I just wanted to reflect on that important distinction that Professor Pekani was making and which your callers were making between responsibility and political accountability. It's possible that someone can be in politics not responsible but politically accountable. And that, that notion, that, that distinction, is something we perhaps haven't fully absorbed in South Africa yet. Um, and uh, one of the great achievements, I think, of the current public protector is that she brought to an end a sort of a period where there was a culture of impunity growing, and she is actually uh, ensuring that the Constitution bites and that people who are politically accountable are held to account. And I think that's her, her single greatest achievement, and that's why it's important that her successor the process of which is unfolding in Parliament this very day, uh, is a process that delivers an equally strong and independent-minded public protector to replace Tuli Madanzela. And uh, just before I go back to calls, uh, Professor Kellen, something you touched on earlier, <clears throat> which was about uh, the amount having to be paid back by the president himself. Um, will there be scrutiny as to where that money actually comes from to pay back? Um, so, Keen, I lost you there for, for a second, but I think um, the point uh, that I made earlier is that the, the court was very clear in its ruling. It used the expression uh, personally. It basically said that uh, Mr. 
Azuma personally must pay back uh, the money, now determined to be almost uh, 8 million rand. Now, that uh, figure uh, therefore has to come, at least ostensibly, from his own wallet, as it were. And, of course, he may be able to fundraise for it and find someone else generous enough to uh, contribute. But in the end, he's got to make, he's got to sign the check, as it were, and deliver it to the Constitutional Court within 45 days of their deciding that the Treasury's ruling and assessment is the right one. Uh, Professor Richard Callend and Professor Somadota Fikeni, apologies for the poor line there to Professor Callend, but we'll take more of your calls, 0891-104-208. Keenan, you're in Marlborough in Cape Town. Good morning. Uh, Kina, um, I just think that the 7.8 million should be welcome because um, obviously he can afford that amount. Um, he gets a huge salary. Um, uh, next point, I would just like to say that that money obviously could have been used to invest in building homes in the Nkandla area, which clearly shows that this president doesn't care his people. And I do support the opposition parties who want to pursue legal action against uh, Minenko because clearly the Hawks cannot hold him accountable because, I mean, $155 million is not a small change. And I'm just awaiting the Constitutional Court's determination on this, on this uh, Treasury report. Um, Thank you so much, Keenan, in Cape Town. Uh, Mike, you're also in Cape Town. Newlands, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Sakina. It's not about the money, in fact. You know, when the Inkandla was uh, exposed by the Mail and Guardian all those years ago, the first statement made by the government was the fact that not one cent of public money was being used. That was the first lie told by the ANC. And what this Inkandla has done has become a watershed for our country. It's exposed the, the how easy public money can be moved from one government uh, into an illegitimate and illegal project by public servants. That highlighted the corruption. It's highlighted the fact that we have a president that helicopters into his home and doesn't question the fact he's suddenly got a swimming pool, which he never ordered. It highlights the committees, what a sham they've been in Parliament, where we have these false committees, these sham committees that are not even allowed to call witnesses for, by the opposition, and then, and then they rule in, that the president is not guilty and doesn't have to pay back the money, then suddenly they find out they're not. Then it's also exposed Parliament for all the MPs that sit in Parliament on the ANC benches, each and every one of them voted to support the president, protecting first their income and not caring a whit or a jot about the people of our country. So the exposure of, the eye of this whole scam is not about the money. And most of all, it exposed the shame on us by the ANC that seems to have not given a care. They care nothing for the people, and Zizi Codwell highlights that. He's not even embarrassed about this whole issue. And uh, to that, to full credit to the public protector, and this will change South Africa, and it will change it uh, for the better in the long run. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Paul in Port Elizabeth, good morning. Morning, Sagina. How are you? Well, thanks to you, Paul. Uh, Sagina, my, 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 my main concern, Sagina, like the gentleman who has just spoken earlier on, this is beyond the issue of money. This is now about the quality of leadership we are having. Honestly speaking, we shouldn't have been actually discussing such type of issues. It's weird, people who are really responsible. Because for that money to have shoot to that amount, who was approving the variation orders? Who was putting the signatures for that money to go to that app? Because the budget was determined on the tender stage. So we shouldn't really be discussing about this. We should be talking about the quality of leadership we are having, especially if... 
Okay, um, that's not us. That's actually Paul's phone. Um, so, but I take the point of uh, quality leadership that this highlights. Felix in Elspreet, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Actually, I agree completely that this is not about money issue. It has nothing to do with money. In my own opinion, we should actually be questioning ourselves. Is this man good enough to lead this country? In my own opinion, this guy is not even good enough to run his father's shop, not to talk of the country. There is, no, there is no way you can allow this to go on simply talking about money. Money is not the issue, but the quality of the leaders we are having in this country. Thanks, Felix. Itumeleng and Mahikeng, good morning. Sakina morning. Have we ever stopped and think that the Constitutional Court has spoken on this matter? And, and clearly it has mandated Treasury to determine how much should the President pay. And Treasury has said $7.8 million. And obviously that report should be placed before the Constitutional Court again. And if ever there are issues in relation to that amount, the Constitutional Court will then summon the, the Treasury to come and explain how did they arrive at that particular figure. Now who are we to say, you know, the figure is small or yeah, I mean let can we for a moment leave our emotion and respect decisions of the court and and, and obviously the, the court will have to take treasure into in, 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 in look Zuma is a is a human being at the end of the day and he has made the man has done so many mistakes but we, we cannot we cannot persecute him and prosecute him like we are doing as South Africans and the man is our president and, and he has accepted some of the mistakes that he have made but also as much as I, understand, I, I, I believe that, you know, it is not enough for, for the ANC to have allowed Zuma to apologize to them and accept their apology and say this matter is swept under the carpet. They should have respected, I mean, not only the branches of the ANC are voters in this country. There are many voters out there, more than the members of the ANC. So they, the, the apology should have extended to, be extended to the electorate as well. But let us, let us for once take our emotions aside, put them aside, and, and respect decisions that come from the court. We ran to the court. The court has pronounced. Treasury is busy with this particular matter. And now we go again and judge and judge and say there was inflation of the prices. If there were inflation of the prices, obviously people technically who are dealing with the prices are supposed to be further investigated on this matter. And an determination must be made whether those prices were in, in, in influenced by the president or by those people who were the architects and the engineers who were busy with the, uh, with the renovations at, at Nkandla Homestead. All right. Thank you so much, Itumeleng and Mahi King. Basil in Mossel Bay, good morning. Good morning. Straight uh, to the point, uh, you know, I would, uh, it's, it's not really about the money as such, but yeah, I would like uh, the ANC just to, to, to tell the, the public in South Africa, the taxpayers, what is the meaning of the word to defraud? That is what they should really tell people and explain it. Maybe they are understanding it in another way, but it was simply because if, if it was not exposed by the opposition parties, this man would have got away with murder. Thank you. Thanks, Basil. Uh, let's go back to Mahi King. KG, good morning. Thank you very much. My take on this is that we must just accept that uh, South Africa is a lawless country. Uh, just an example of this minister who went to uh, DRC to steal a person. The law says you must enter the country, you present a passport, a passport, not a copy or some uh, ridiculous document, you understand? So if this was a lawful country, we would be having a different president by now. But because we are a lawless banana republic, that is why we are sitting with a situation where a person can abdicate his responsibilities, violate this oath of office, be reckless, 
with our monies, despite the fact that there's multitudes of people who are going to bed hungry every day of their lives. And then he comes on TV and says what? You know what? I didn't know what I was doing. I'm very sorry. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, that was KG in Mahiking. Uh, going down to Saldana Bay now. Busiso, good morning. Hi, good morning. I'd just like to speak about accountability. Um, I feel that Zuma is not the man who should be leading this country. He's not taking us forward. He's taking us back. Um, I feel that we should give the opposition party time to lead South Africa. Um, yeah, and he must pay back the money. So 7.8, will that do for you? No, definitely not. He needs to pay back the entire amount. 7.8 is not enough. So why should he be saddled uh, saddled with the entire amount? Ah, lost Busiso and Saldana Bay there. Let's hear from George in Mangaung. Good morning, George. Hi, Sakina. I'm I'm disappointed, but anyway, what I wanted to say is that, uh, truly speaking, the ANC itself must look at it and uh, do revision of what type of relationship we have. Zuma said to the youth, the youth must, when the youth want to lead, must learn how to lead. But now I don't think what is he leading. I, I wonder what ANC leadership is today. What are they talking about when they're talking about youth must uh, start learning to lead, become leaders? Because the whole ANC does not have a good leadership. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you so much, uh, George and Mangaung. We'll take a few more calls, but let's just get a response there from Professor Somadota Fikeni. Wandile Kuzwaya also weighing in saying it will be the best if the integrity committee of the ANC shares its views about the 7.8 million debacle. So um, the comments coming through talking about the fact that this is actually not about money, uh, Professor Fikeni. It, it talks about the quality of leadership. It talks once again about responsibility and account and the misuse of public funds. To a great extent, I agree with the listeners that the problem <clears throat> is signified by this small matter in terms of the money, but the crisis is larger than that. If you go back to the ANC itself, I do think that how ANC managed its internal leadership succession wars from 2005 to Purugwane and beyond, led to factionalization of the organization, where after some time people were joining leaders rather than the organization. They were no longer looking at the principles of the organization. And when the leader now started making some mistakes, Theirs was mainly to defend the leader rather than to defend the principal. And that led to the situation because ANC, by definition and by reality, and political reality, is the largest party in the organization, I mean, in the country. So what happens in there impacts on the body politic of the country, on the public service, and on the outlook of the country. And that in itself, I think, has become the challenge that we face. But we should not delude ourselves by thinking that these societal problems are just confined to the ANC. Corruption, lack of accountability, lack of consequence leadership, and uh, ultimately uh, the, the weakness of the civil society to hold political leaders accountable. 
is largely responsible for this. Of course, ANC takes a greater responsibility precisely because it has greater numbers. And just reading a few more messages, Chris Drift says um, JZ should be saddled with the full amount. The captain is responsible, but he always lied, denied, and tried to abdicate. And then a few others uh, as well here. Uh, Papa Joe says, so we made Nkandla noise only for JZ to pay a mere 3%. What a waste of time. I hope he pays more by mistake. Devoko in Springs, what's your view on this? Uh... But you know, no one, the head must roll. Uh, our president must just resign, must put just an honorable resign. Because even when he was doing a public apology on the national TV, he was not showing any remorse because he was keeping on shifting the blame on his illegal advisors. That's my take on that. Thank you so much, Teboho. And just coming back okay. to that, again, uh, Professor Figeni uh, speaks to the judgment of President Jacob Zuma um, when he says, um, uh, during that apology that he made, he said, I wish to thank the court for providing clarity, uh, which will have a positive impact on other Chapter 9 institutions as well as w- uh, with regards to their work. But this after years of back and forth where the alternative uh, was raised that actually these powers are binding. Again, I call into question the president's judgment on that. Is that not the case that in many instances, whether it's friendship with Guptas or silence after they landed in the Air Force Base and many other things, the issue has come down to the question of judgment. And yet, the character and the judgment is what makes a leader stand out. It's what distinguishes leaders. Because they are not ordinary people. They are not average persons precisely because of their character and their sense of judgment, once that is called into question cumulatively over a long time, it raises the issue about leadership. And if ANC had any courage and unity of purpose, they would begin to reflect on those things because history now is giving them yet another opportunity to select a leader. Whether they would be looking at precisely the lessons learned from this period, or they would simply be loyal religiously to factions, who is going to be close to me, who is going to do me this and that, who is going to deploy me, therefore I'll fight for that person, instead of fighting for an ideal. Let's take a few more calls before we wrap it up. Amanda in Limpopo, good morning. Good morning, how are you sitting? Well, thanks, and you, Amanda? I'm good, thank you. Well, personally, I call for transparency. I feel as if, you know, they should tell us how or why the money was calculated the way it was because it feels like they are mocking our intelligence. I mean, paying 3% of what he owes South Africa, that is just saying we as South Africans are, are stupid, are stupid uh, to, to actually think that something, you know, everything just went right. Uh, this, this case is going to be treated as precedent because, you know, it was heard at the Constitutional Court. What are the future leaders going to say? But that means it's okay to, to, to steal and then you only pay 3, 3% of what, what you owe South Africa. What about the other people, the cases pending against uh, 12 uh, uh, public works officials? And, of course, then you have the architect as well. Doesn't that count in terms of uh, they uh, them also being held accountable to pay back uh, some of the money? Uh, let us not forget that we're dealing with the head of state. That means he himself should 
he, he, he took an oath when he became president to be faithful. And personally, I feel like his case should be treated uh, specially. It, is, it should be treated as if a head of state is being tried for, for offenses which were done, you know, in our faces. And I, I personally, I, I feel very angry for the verdict. Um, I don't understand at all uh, how or why this is going to be treated like, you know, as like a, a joint thing because he himself knew. I mean, if upgrades are being made in your house, obviously you can tell that too much is being used here. Why didn't you ask? Okay, that's Amanda's question out in Limpopo. Salim and KZN, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. I think, you know, if you look at the amount that's been spent on this whole Inkandla saga, it's been a very in a very large amount. I think we must come to some kind of conclusion now that there should be no benefit. There should be no benefit for, for any MPs anymore. They must build and secure themselves with the money they earn. So as long as they're getting this, they'll abuse it and exploit it. I think we should look at North South Africa can't afford it anymore. We're going through a tough time. People are, are, are really backing. So I think they must start cutting down the benefits now. Really, be overdoing it. Okay, thank you, Salim in KZN. Genre in Cape Town. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I, I, I would just, I would just like to, like, like to put this, this forward. That if I were, were charged at, at my workplace for maladministration to the tune of seven point uh, eight million, or two hundred and forty eight million, if I were to be charged criminally. And in terms of in terms of labor law at, at work, I won't have the option to pay back any part of the money. I would go I'd go straight to jail. So why are there two sets of rules for me as a as a as a civilian and one for the president? Surely okay. you should be the one setting the example. Thank you so much, Andre in Cape Town, uh, Prof. I mean that is very clear, Professor Figeni. Yes, I do think that uh, we should make a distinction that we have not yet had a trial which would point to criminality of direct involvement per se. But we have had the issues of the failure of accountability and overreach of the scope of the work where non-security upgrades seem to have been included. That's where now the benefit of the president as per the public protector privately benefiting comes in. But all other security upgrades are things which are quite standardized that whenever you are president, deputy president and other senior uh, cabinet and other senior officials, the state would have to provide security uh, for you. So to that extent, I think it's just a strict adherence to that and anyone deviating from it, having clear, harsh, uh, you know, consequences that should follow. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Professor Somadota Fikeni. And earlier uh, with us was uh, Professor Richard Calland. And thanks for your participation. Of course, many, uh, many uh, messages still coming through. Uh, let JZ pay everything and he must sue his advisors to recoup his losses or report his advisors to the bar.
but he must pay, uh, says one of the messages. Another one uh, says, Tulima uh, Donsela asks Zuma 15 questions. He only answered two. The man is a crook, period. And uh, some of the comments coming through. So that's where it is. And clearly it seems as though it's not the end of the road. Uh, not if uh, what the opposition parties are saying is anything to go by. So we'll hear more about Nkandla. But, of course, uh, that's where we have to leave it right now. Uh, thanks for your participation. Thanks to the production team and our guests this morning. And, of course, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Right now, 9 o'clock, time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.